all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Righty ho there. <laughs> I'm Rachel. <laughs> and I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. <laughs> I think I will never not make you laugh on those intros. Uh, you're, I, I really was questioning at one point how creative you would get, and you've gone beyond that level. So. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I, I knew you could do it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so we're recording our episode slightly out of order, which is interesting. The episode we're recording tomorrow will be last week's. How's yes. that for a little uh, mindfuckeroo there? <laughs> hashtag mindfuckeroo. <laughs> Speaking Mind of hashtag, yes, you can follow us. Oh, at All Bad Things Pod, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, at gmail.com and .com, even though, no, our website is not caught up or even slightly remotely to up to speed. Our social media generally is. Our social media are cool. We do respond all the time. I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure we have a 100% response rate, period. Even to the jerks. Which have only been a couple, to be fair. Not too many. Just the... The one guy who said we build ourselves as a science podcast, which I don't know what the fuck he was smoking. <laughs> or what he was hoping to listen to. We are not scientists, no. just in case. We'll, we'll say that at the top. But um, Rachel has drank for the first time in like a week, so I'm feeling pretty good. And what are you drinking? The same thing you're drinking, sir. What are you drinking? I am drinking the White Street Kolsch. Out of Wake Forest, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Where Wake Forest University is not located. Yes. <laughs> Very confusingly, Wake Forest University is not located in Wake Forest, North Carolina. It is located in Winston-Salem, North yes. Carolina, like an hour and a half away from Raleigh, but actually probably like two hours away from, from Wake, Wake Forest. Forest or better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a whole story in itself. <laughs> Apparently. Which, which we just, just Google it if, well, you're, the fact if you're listening. Their team is also called home. the Screaming Deacons. Demon Deacons. The Demon Deacons. The <laughs> Screaming Deacons. Deacons. <laughs> I would like screaming deacons. Like, too. Well, at least you would have known that they held up on the whole hell thing. Like you're, you're, <laughs> you're a screaming so. deacon. Yeah. Like you're still being burned. Um, my family, my grandparents have one, and my parents have one. Have a what they call a deacon's bench from our old church in Miami, from South good old Southwest Alliance. They they each have a small. It's the small wooden bench, super crazy uncomfortable, and heavy as fuck. Yeah, it's a deacon's bench. It's a, it should be both of those things, heavy as fuck. <laughs> Do you know what a deacon un- is? I, I'm not sure. It it's sounds like, like a devil to me. That's what I've always... <laughs> no, it's like a leader in the church. At oh. least it was in our church. Like, there was the pastor and the elders who were like the board of the church, and then the deacons were like the lay leaders. This is all getting way too deep into evangelicalism. Yeah, I was going to say, that would be your church. I grew up in a uh, Episcopalian. We didn't have any of those things. No, Elders just, or deacons or... You just had communion where people neglected to partake. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. <laughs> no, actually, that was Catholic, right? Because Dan is Catholic. So, yeah. Trina's husband. So, yeah. <laughs> just thinking about when Emily was like, we need to draw a family tree. <laughs> we'll just invite her to a wedding. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Emily, she... if you get a wedding, if you get an invitation to a St. Louis wedding, just turn it down. No. It's... You have to experience it. It's not nearly as crazy as it used to be. Trust me. Yeah. And ours, ours, I know you said was not as crazy as everybody else's. And yet your cousin Chad managed to pass out in the taxi. So the taxi driver drove yeah, somewhere the way yeah. the fuck away from his house. And to us, that's tame. So. Okay. <laughs> so imagine what, what and chaos also, would look like. Who was it? Was it someone's wife also like threw up the second she got out of the venue, yeah. right? <laughs> so, yep. but that was tame. That it, was all tame. Yes, it was. Good to know. Yeah. And we almost got through our entire $4,000 bar bill. Oh, we did. We got pretty close. Yes. It was like 38 something. Yes. For a hundred. Like 125 people. people yeah. Something like that. That's a lot of booze. Jeez. 
Yeah. And, and, that's, and, you and, that's, know, and that's a and that's a tame wedding. And you know, literally, no one on my side of the family drank. Nope, not one person. <laughs> well, maybe Sarah. Uh, well, Alice, Alice and Catherine. Alice and Catherine. Did. Yes, of course. Probably had a drink at least. Nah, not, I think they may have had more. a couple. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody on my side of the family had multiple drinks, as is yes. as is clear in the photos. Yes. Yes. No. Oh, my my aunt's husband. To be fair, it was pretty out of it, too. So, yeah, there was That's a few right. people, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> Celebration. That's what it's for. Look, I am, even though neither of us are Jewish, but whatever. Should we go ahead and get into this week's episode? We probably should. Yes. Okay, so I gave you a little bit of a hint mm-hmm. as to this week's episode. Do you remember mm-hmm. what it was? Uh, for this one, it was something historical. Yes. And a, and a time period that we've, we're... Interested in talking about? Yes, we are both interested. So Do you I, have any guesses? What time period are we both I, interested in? I think, for me, I'm thinking maybe it's like mid 1800s. <laughs> I have zero interest in the mid okay. 1800s. So when do you think I have interest in that? Also, you have interest in? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> as far as history goes, we've been goes, together for like five I, and a half years. I know, but as far as history goes, I honestly <laughs> have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm going to give you the topic, and then we'll get into the time period, okay? Okay. This, my friend, is the story of the Bethnal Green Tube Disaster. Okay. On March 3rd, 1943. Ah, okay. 173 people were crushed to death and asphyxiated. Oh. When hundreds of people took shelter in the Bethnal Green tube station during an air raid alarm in wartime London. Yeah, I was going to say, this had to have happened in Europe. Yes. We didn't have, well... Well, we also don't have the tube. Who has the tube? But we practiced for air raids that just never came Mm. during that time. Well, except for... That's true. We had blackouts and stuff. Except for Pearl Harbor. But nobody was prepared for that. But anyway, but yes. In Europe, they would have definitely had not only air raid drills... Mm -hmm. They would have had real Air life race. experience. We're gonna get into all oh, of that. God yeah. Damn. My my grandmother was born in 1938, and I'm pretty sure I remember her talking about she has very vague memories of blackout um, drills and blackouts when she was little. I, she lived on the East Coast. She lived in Delaware, so that would kind of make sense, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know really the history of blackouts in America. It is too. It, it's too. For aerial bombings. Right. Oh, I, I understand yeah, the logic to, of yeah, it. Yes, to disguise where right. people are. Well, or just so that they, it, the visibility is poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know. I get that. Um, I just don't have a great grasp on, like, like blackouts in America, like what the drills were, what the... But that's all right, because this has nothing to do with, <laughs> with America. Hopefully we never will have an idea. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. So... Right at the top, per usual, I have to give a big shout out. This disaster I had literally never heard of until our listener, Marianne, told me about it. Messaged me about it, I think, on Twitter. So, um, thank you, Marianne, because this was not something I was aware of. So, um, now usually up top I do a geography corner, but I think we're all pretty clear on where London is. Especially, not long ago we did... A London um, transportation? No, 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 no. That that was a ways ago. But we oh, did Ladbroke Grove. Tr- the, yes, the which train. Which was a train. The train accident. Which was a transportation accident. This is not a transportation accident, but it was transport adjacent because it was in a tube station. So, which we'll get into. Um, but so I'm not gonna belabor where London is, I think we're up. It's a world city. Everybody's, we're pretty clear everybody's on, up to on speed where it on is. London yeah. at this point. Feel free to look it up on Google Maps <laughs> if you need to. So what I decided to do instead was to delve into the history of World War II era London because that is an interesting story. Yes, it is. So I was, and I think I've told you this, I was really big into World War II for a little while when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like 13, 14. Um, I bought, I remember buying, I think it was like at Ross or Marshalls. You know how they sell like, well, they used to sell 
um, like random CDs and DVDs and sure. shit. Yeah. I bought a best of Gl- the Glenn Miller band and best of <laughs> Benny Goodman. That's how into this era I was. So I know obscure. Well, I shouldn't say it's obscure. It's not obscure in its own circle, but like I know Pennsylvania six five oh oh oh. You know, and just like these really. Um, There'll be bluebirds over the white cliffs of Dover. And just like all this shit, all these big band stuff. Anyway, I was way into it. Still remember it. Um, I bought a snood at one point when I was like 13. That's how into World War II I was. Do you know what a snood is? I have no idea. Okay. It's like a little... um, It sounds like something you would suffocate yourself with in your your own sleep. A snood. It's like a clip, a hair clip with a little... um, net bag under it so you you clip your hair back and then put all of your hair into that little net sure it was very stylish in the 40s and i thought Uh i was in the 40s or something i also watched remember when (laughs) amc's first original series before it got into all the walking dead shit and which they left on a cliffhanger which no i'm not bitter about but i was into like the mailing list (laughs) remember when on ale all that shit. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> let's move on, <laughs> let's shall we? Let's move on. I did not, though, have a great grasp. I had a I had a decent grasp of, like, the home front, kind of, in general, about World War II, but not on what the war was like in other parts of the world, which the answer is way worse than <sighs> America. Like, terrible. Tr- trillions times worse. Um, obviously, there were not concentration camps here. We did have... Um, Oh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Not detention camps, but what was the word for, like, Japanese-Americans? Oh, well, uh, I mean, they they kind of were detention camps. They were, basically, right? But there's a word for it. What's the word I'm looking for? You could call them concentration camps, but there is a different word. They kill them. I can't. (laughs) That was the one difference. Understandable. But uh, Um, I know what you're talking about. Detainment? Maybe something. People are yelling at us as as to what it actually is. But anyway, um, now... We would cover World War II or any number of events from World War II as a a bad thing, except clearly it's all criminal. And we don't cover criminal, war, any of that shit. Or uh, You you could argue it's criminal or war. We cover an aside to war, if it is what I have a feeling. The closest we came was... um, We did the USS Indianapolis, which was during World War II Mm -hmm. and was a torpedo. Mm -hmm. But we kind of emphasized more the aftermath the whole shark thing so anyway um so we're because this is such like a seminal point in history especially in london we're going to do one of my famous short histories remember when i gave the a short history of haiti and all that shit yes we're gonna do we're gonna do that um now a lot there, there's really nothing I can say about World War II that hasn't already been said. It's been pretty well covered by people way smarter than me. It's fairly well documented. Yeah, it's very well just documented. Just a little bit. It shows them in a textbook here. Yes, here and there, you know, just randomly. Um, so this is going. This is about to include a lot of obvious statements that most of us know. But I'm going to start with the most obvious statement. Hitler was a fucking asshole. <laughs> All right, and he had a very, very clear, very criminal plan, literally from the word go. So in 1922, he was my age. He was 33 years old. Actually, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be two days before my birthday. So, oh, this is my birthday episode. Hey, happy birthday! I'm almost not the age of Hitler. That's right. Uh, he told a journalist, "Quote: Once I really am in power." My first and foremost task will be the annihilation of the Jews. I almost said the Jules. Jules. Sorry. (laughs) Of the Jews. So, like, the one thing you can say. The Jews, (laughs) Jules. The one thing you can say about Hitler is that it was really clear what he wanted to do, like, from day fucking one. He wasn't hiding it. He was not hiding it, in all fairness. I mean, what he wanted to do was abominable, but, but still. Um, He declared a national revolution in the Beer Hall Putsch. Of 1923. Are you aware of the Beer Hall Putsch? I might be, but what is it? Oh, I, I didn't put that in oh. here. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were going <laughs> to... 
no, it was already kind of rambling. Yeah. So this is short history. Yeah. It, it, there's a Wikipedia article you can read it. It, it sounds like it was a. It sounds like it was a <laughs> rally and things got set on fire. No, I think it was like basically a raid, like where he was like. Well, that too. Guns blazing, coming. Maybe not gun. Anyway, look on Wikipedia. It'll tell you. Um, but he, it, that got him arrested for treason. Which I did not know. He was arrested for treason in 1923. Oh, you're talking about when he was young. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I said 33, right? Gotcha. Um, and he was released from prison the next year. So super cool that you can get arrested for treason and then released the next year. Like, not happening today. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, well, depending on who it is. Yeah. Maybe, hopefully. Who knows? He wrote, or he, uh, Mein Kampf was published in 1925. Do you know what Mein Kampf translated means? My struggle. Very nice. Well, no, it's not nice, but good job for knowing that. Well, I'm, yeah, you know that. Um, I, I have not read it. And just, no good. Just in nor case have any, I. Just in case no any of our listeners in. are like, hmm. Um, and he worked on growing the Nazi party. Uh, he was appointed the Chancellor of Germany in early 1933. And mm-hmm. began his ascension into full-blown dictator status. He became Führer, which was like dictator, like literally, in 1934 when the president of Germany... Do you know the president of Germany's name at that time? I can't remember. Paul but. von Hindenburg. Oh, interesting. Not as cool as von Zeppelin, but, no. but adjacent to it. Um, we'll also have a Zeppelin reference later. Oh, nice. Something to keep Bonus. in mind. Um, but he died. Hindenburg died. And so there was like a power vacuum and uh, Hitler was like, oh, I'm just going to fill this. Step and right I, into dictator. And I also, I don't know if you have this written down. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe because Germany at that time had a parliamentary system. And I believe he asked parliament to, if he could take over with the majority vote. And I Pretty sure they said yes. I do not know the details of that. Yeah, I think that's how he partly came into power by asking to do so. And they're like, sure. Yeah. That sucks. Yes. Wow. That's, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. As I was reading all this stuff, like, it was really hard not to feel, it's not literal, but not to at least feel some parallels. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But, But I digress. Let's move on. So Hitler, like, started... It it took him a few years to literally start taking over countries. Uh, The first... Do you know what the first country he took over was? I want to say it was Poland. No, actually. That was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. He annexed annexed somebody first. Austria. That's right. In 1938. That's right. Took over Austria. Then Czechoslovakia in 39. Then he invaded Poland on September 1st, 1939. And then Russia, I believe, after I that. did not go in after that because that's where we're going to switch over to England okay. in a minute. Um, and during all that, he managed to start his previously declared war on the Jews or annihilation of the Jewish people, most notably during Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass, which was like late November 9th into the 10th of 1938, where he literally started rounding up Jewish people and shipping them off to concentration camps. Fuck that motherfucker. That's, I I can't even imagine. You know, you know how I said that, like, I wouldn't wish a torturous death on anybody. I might be willing to recant that for Hitler. For Hitler, yes. (laughs) Hitler is always in his own category of, Whatever. Seriously. Whatever we're talking about. Seriously, yeah. So on September 3rd, so just two days after the German um, invasion of Poland, Britain, France, Australia, and New Zealand, like, officially had it up to here with this asshole's insanity, and they declared war on Germany. Now, interestingly, on September 5th, the United States was like, we're neutral. We're just neutral. Until you fuck with us, and then then we've got a problem, but until then, go ahead, round up Jews. I have complicated feelings on the United States. Well, they turned away a whole uh, yes. ocean liner yes. full of Jewish yes, people. Yes, of refugees. Well, it's a good thing we don't do that anymore. <laughs> now we oh, turn God. you away and give you some tear gas. <laughs> uh, anyway, like it's, it's hard not to go into the parallels, but anyway. I have to bite my tongue sometimes on our, quote, great nation, because I don't want to get 
like targeted as being anti-American, but we have a very complicated history as a nation well, that I, I'm, I'm not proud of. I've never seen myself as anti-American. I've seen myself as anti-imperialism. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what we've practiced for quite a while. Kind of. Canada declared war on Germany on September 10th. I'm going okay. through a Canadian hey. enjoyment phase. I, I like Canada. The Canadians also joined us during... Um, uh, what am I trying to say? When we stormed all the beaches. Oh, Normandy. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, they joined us in that whole operation. Okay. They were flying gliders. Oh, that's so Canadian. Yeah, and it was so deadly and tragic, Aww. too. Because there were gliders, mind you. They didn't have engines. Like, Canadians are just so pure. And so gentle. <laughs> <laughs> They're also, like us, former British people. Well... <laughs> I'm just having a Canada moment. I'm really enjoying Schitt's Creek. We've been watching Schitt's Creek, and that yes, is amazing. Yes, pretty funny. It is such an amazing show. Anyway, I digress yet again. So, the next day after declaring war, so September 4th, 1939, Britain's Royal Air Force, the RAF, immediately began launching attacks on Germany's Navy. So they were like, no, we're declaring war, and we're coming after you motherfuckers right now. So now we're going to switch our focus to to Britain, but London specifically. So in 1940, the notorious blitz on London began. Do you know what the word blitz means in German? Blitzkrieg. No, yeah, but what does that mean? uh, It's like like a full rush, like a... Lightning yeah. is the word. It okay. means lightning. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. In German. So. Blitzkrieg is the full word. Yes, you're right. <clears throat> uh, so the Blitz began during the Battle of Britain, which was a fight between the RAF and the... Uh, the Luftwaffe? Yes. Yeah. Luftwaffe. The German Air Force. So... Um, I think I said Luftwaffe. You did the say Luftwaffe. 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 <laughs> the <Yes>. Luftwaffels. <laughs> Luftwaffels. I have played out this scene... In a, in a video game. Which one? Uh, Battlefield 1, and it was fucking no, 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 awesome. No, 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 that was World War 1. This is World oh, War 2. Oh, you are correct. But now, I did, but I did uh, play the German out, Air Force was still yes, it was, obviously around in World War 1. But I did play out a scene in that game where you're having an air battle over London, and it was pretty fucking cool. Wow, yeah. Well, you saw it. That's when you had to take down oh, yes. one, of yeah, the, the, one of the airships. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did see but that. But again, that's World War One. I'm sorry. I got my World Wars in England and Germany and <laughs> all, the, a, all the crazy <laughs> shit that Wars. happened in the early 20th century mixed up. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. When people are like so like nostalgic about the good old days it's like oh really yeah. <laughs> let's not go back to any of this let's ever let's not go back to the 1950s no ever no or or any other period it was bullshit it was absolute bullshit like that depending on who you were well that's for, the thing if you were for a lot of people if you were a privileged white man yeah you want to go back to that time because you were even in even more power than you were now if you were white period things yeah, were pretty good fair enough yeah if you were a minority uh, yeah, not so much <sighs> so or a woman because yeah no less, way I would want to go back less so than now but better than minority Depends. Yeah, no. yeah anyway. definitely better. Anyway, uh, the Battle of Britain took place between July 10th and October 31st of 1940, and the main part of the Blitz, like what is actually considered the Blitz, because um, we'll talk in a minute more about like other bombings that the Luftwaffe um, launched against London, but... It, the, the main part of the Blitz took place from September 7th, 1940 to May 11th, 1941. So we're talking like eight months of n- near relentless bombing of, of the city of London. And, and not just London, to be clear, it was other parts of Britain too, but we're specifically talking about London. So starting on September 7th, 1940, the Luftwaffe bombed London for 56 out of the following 57 days and nights. So almost literally every single day and night. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Obviously, London became a really dangerous place to be because like basically literally every day. There's bombs being dropped any in gi- your at, major city home. At any given time, there could be an air raid. 
it, can you imagine just Fuck the no. pins and needles? No. No, yeah, I, I'm with you. No. I, I, I don't even want to imagine. I... I'm on pins and needles most of the time because of generalized anxiety disorder. I could not imagine there being an actual physical threat. That's horrifying. That's that's just the fuckery it would do with your head. I can't even imagine. Well, and the other thing is, too, it, millions of civilians were killed in this war. Millions upon... We don't even know. Right. But and we're going to so, get into so the, the... So the, that fear was real. Yes. Oh, yes. People were... And we're going to get into the death toll from the Luftwaffe yeah. in London or in Britain and, and later on, but... Interesting. But, I'm not even sure if I know what that mm-hmm. is, but I know it's a million something. No, no? don't be that dramatic. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> Thousand something. We're specifically talking about the Luftwaffe Oh, you're talking about the... In, in Britain. I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay. I don't mean overall. Gotcha. British... No, no, no. Um... So, now, British leaders knew that London was vulnerable and was going to be a target from day one. And they knew it before Britain became, in, like, formally declared war on Germany. Of course. It's their capital city. Right. So, there were about 9 million people living in London. And this is back in the f- late 30s. This is a sure. huge city. Yeah. It always has been, obviously. In, in a country that, the, that is the size of New England. Right. So yeah, uh, Nine million people in one it city. It was 20% of the entire population of Britain was in this one highly concentrated area. And so even before they declared war on Germany, they were like, we need to start getting people out. Yeah. And that's when the evacuations started. Because... Early estimates predicted by by the government, the British government estimated that 600,000 people in London could die if, if they weren't evacuated. And, um, and and they were guessing that that could happen really quickly if the Germans, you know, were or, dropping bombs. Or over and, time. Well, they were guessing that that could happen over a 60-day period. So oh that's, that's uh, 10,000 10, people, people a day. Yeah. So on September 1st, 1939, the same day Germany invaded Poland, although technically two days before Britain actually declared war, the British government began Operation Pied Piper. Do you know what that was? I don't. It's the evacuations. Okay. Um, And in the first four days of September, almost three million people were relocated from towns in not just London, but major cities in um, Britain to other areas of the country um, or of the region, um, mostly like the countryside. Sure. So, uh, because it was thought to be and was safer in general than the cities. So... Um, most of the people. Can you imagine that operation, the logistics of that? There's that many so people? I didn't get too far into this, but there's yeah. some really interesting history about you that. You could spend a whole, you could spend two hours just talking per, about per a five episode <laughs> run know, just right? talking about this. Well, like I did read that, like so most of the people evacuated were women and children. Makes sense, especially at the time, um, and kids were literally like labeled. They were given, like, labels to try and keep them straight because there was so many of them. And it was a really pretty traumatic, obviously, thing for um, for the people who went through it. I mean, uh, wasn't The Wall was basically an entire album about growing up in post-war London and how, how fucked up it all was because of the fucked up shit that happened there. So, anyway... The first so, so is a lot of Black Sabbath music. Yeah, that's true. They that's grew, true. They grew, they grew up in the in the Reconstruction that's era. That's right. A lot of the early rockers did, mm-hmm. and they were born. Metal, yeah. metal came out of the Reconstruction era true. of World that's War Two. It really did. Very true. That no, that makes perfect sense. So the first knowledge I remember having about the evacuations of London was from. Did you ever read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? I didn't. I, I know CSOs. what it is, but. It, it's all like Aslan is Jesus, and it's because it's C.S. Lewis. I read a line, several of the Narnia Chronicles and the Screw Tape Letters because C.S. Lewis was um, a Christian, so raised evangelical, whatever. But the in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the four main characters, the kids who are are evacuated from London 
move to the countryside, and that's where they find the wardrobe that leads them oh, to Narnia. So that's why they were where they were. And it was sort of a fish-out-of-water story initially, because they had been evacuated and separated from their parents like thousands upon thousands of children, mm-hmm. which is just really horrible. But anyway... So within the first week of September 1939, somewhere in the ballpark of 25% of London's population had been evacuated. So they mobilized a shit ton of people in like seven days. And uh, yeah, it was just just really traumatic and horrible. But um, so back to London, um, air raid sirens in Britain were first sounded 22 minutes after they declared war. No shit. Yeah. They were just like, okay, this could be it. Like, sound the the alarms. So, um, interesting tidbit. Do you know who was the prime minister? I I do not. It wasn't, no. It It wasn't wasn't, Churchill. It was not Churchill. Neville Chamberlain. That's right. Was the prime minister at the beginning of World War II. Because he had sought some sort of a peace offering with Hitler. So, again, that was something I didn't delve into too much. He did end up resigning, and that's when Churchill took over Mm -hmm. in May of 1940. And he remained prime minister until July 45. So he was basically the wartime prime minister for the most part, Churchill was. Just not in the very early days. So So now, blackouts had begun back in August of 1939. Again, before they formally declared war. We talked about that, blackouts, turning off all the lights so that um, it would be harder to hit from the air because you, at night because you couldn't see, you know, by bombs. Um, did you know that London's blackouts continued every night for almost six years? That like doesn't they surprise were, me at all. Isn't that horrible? Yeah. Can you imagine? Like right now, it's night now, it's dark now where we are. Like, blackout. It's just a blackout. No, turn everything off, turn all the lights off. I, I From what I... Maybe this is what my grandma said. Like, not even a candle in the window sort of a thing. Like oh, you weren't supposed not. to have anything. No. Zero lights whatsoever. That would be just horrible. The whole blackout policy is very specific. That's just awful. <laughs> like, we don't want anybody to see a fucking thing. Especially it's, our enemy. It's so traumatic. So, anyway, um, I will find my place first. Okay. So, as for what to do in an air raid... What was the idea? If you heard the air raid sirens, what should you do? Uh, Get underground. Seek shelter. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, Now, the first and most intuitive place to take shelter in the city of London was what? What would you think? I would think the subway. Exactly. The London Underground, the tube stations, the subway stations. Makes sense. They're underground. Plus, you can be transported out of the area. If need be. That wasn't so much the idea. Okay. It was more that they were just underground. That's a possibility. <laughs> no, okay. Um, it was, they were underground. They were strong construction. Um, they made a decent shelter and, and the infrastructure was already there. It was already built. Um, and not only that, but the tube stations had been used for shelter during World War One. Sure. So uh, there was a history already of taking shelter there. Now, in 1939, again, before the Blitz, because that came in 1940, but certainly not before the fear of bombings, the British government specifically disallowed people from taking shelter in the tube stations uh, because they were afraid it would jam up commuting. They were like, we're not so sure the threat exists at this point, so we're not going to allow it. But once the Blitz actually began... Like, they, they're like, okay, yeah, we're totally open. Yeah, this is for real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go ahead and take shelter there. Mm-hmm. So, during the Blitz, like, during the heights of the bombings, every day, people would line up or queue, as it's known in England. They would queue up um, and wait patiently to get into the underground, which would open up at 4 p.m. for them. And they would literally just... Gently file down into the underground and take shelter all night and sleep underground. Wow. Like night after night after night, which is, again, just so traumatic. Um, so I think, let me see. I've got so many pictures. That's not a good picture right now. Okay. Here's people taking shelter in an underground. Mm-hmm. Like literally just lying on the tracks. And they're on the tracks. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wherever they can, just because obviously the subway isn't running. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that. Um, so, uh, the government did end up building eight massive deep level shelters below the underground stations as well. Here's an example, which were oh, literally. Okay. So it's, it's barracks. Yeah there, yeah. there was eight of them that could each accommodate 8,000 people. Okay. So these were huge, huge barracks. Exactly. Oh, well, like I you mean, said, look how you can't even see the end of that corridor. No, no. It's just, it's just rows of bunks basically. But that's, that's a pretty, that's not bad. Like at but, least you have a bed. But here's the problem. Those weren't completed and able to use until 1942 after oh, the Blitz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so because of that, because the main part of the Blitz was over by that point, they were mostly used by the government, like as I don't know a shelter. I I think I read that. Um, oh, who was it? I I don't think it was Roosevelt. It was some, oh Eisenhower. I think had to take shelter down in one of those at one point when he was in England. But anyway, really okay. Um, I could be wrong about that. But anyway, they were those big shelters were eventually open to the public in 1944 when the Germans ramped up their attacks again. So just to just to be clear, the bombings never stopped. Sure. Like Luftwaffe or um, no. the Blitz took place like that was huge. So just to give some statistics, in 1940 there was 36,844 tons of bombs. Oh my. God. Dropped on London, on on Britain. Sorry, um, then in 1941 it was 21,858. 1942 it was 3,268, and in 1943 it was 2,298. So even though obviously it precipitously dropped, it Still, never stopped. Yeah. Never stopped. This picture I've got for you is um, what it looked like. Like people just like, okay, now we have to go about our day Jesus. amidst the rubble of our town, amidst everything just. And, and even the buildings that aren't destroyed aren't mm-hmm. safe to go in. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But uh, I mean, people were literally trying to just carry on their business. That's where the whole keep calm and carry on comes from. I have all the fucking respect in the world. Oh, shit. For those wor- World War Two era British people who were just like uh, well, repressed that's why as fuck. But still, like just the metal to keep going. Like the, like those are some hardened people. Mm-hmm. It's like that's why, that's why to a degree the Civil War is so, for both sides, so ratcheted up because that's really the last time our country mm-hmm. had to go through that sort of a struggle. I agree. It's yeah. been quite a while, you know. And even 9 11 was Oh, it wasn't even close. Compared no. to no. this shit. Nine, not even close. 9-11 was two planes crashing in, in New York City. One day. One in, one in Washington, D.C. 3,000 people. And one just outside of Pittsburgh or And wherever. while 3,000 people is a huge number, yeah. it's not this. And we'll go into yeah, they the were number prob- of people who died in the blitz. They were probably getting 3,000 people a day. Well, well, we'll go into that. But anyway, so all of that that I just talked about, that wasn't our disaster. <laughs> We have yet to get to our disaster. Are we ready? Yes. Let's. <laughs> so it's easy to get lost in the uh, World know, War II history. I know, but it's important to know the context. This is crucial in this in this disaster. So Bethnal Green, uh, spelled B E T H N A L. I think I spelled it E L in a little bit of my research, but I think it's A L. I should know because people spell my name A L all the time, but it's really E L. Whatever. Do. Anyway. So Bethnal Green is a stop on the London ground underground. It still is today. It's still... Oh, don't look at that. Oh, sorry. Don't look at that picture. Not yet. Or this one. Don't look at those pictures. Okay. I didn't reveal them to you. But you just had them laying out. Well, so it wasn't was, for you to look at. But I was just looking. <laughs> it's fun to look at pictures. <laughs> so Bethnal Green is currently on the central tube line in, in the London underground. So... So geographically speaking, we'll get a little bit into this just for the station. It's on Cambridge Heath Road, just off Bethnal Green Road. That's how it gets its name in the district of Bethnal Green, which is in the east end of London. 
1943, when our topic takes place, the Bethnal Green Station was not a functioning tube station. It had been built up, but it was not yet, like, the trains weren't going through it yet. Um, It did eventually open up as a station in 1946, so after the war ended. So, in 1943, like I said, there wasn't the same level of bombing as there was during the formal Blitz, you know, but the Luftwaffe was still dropping bombs on London, so things were still tense. Um, Air raid sirens were still a thing. The blackout was still in effect. Obviously, this was like halfway through that whole situation. So, shelters were still a thing, and this was before they opened those big shelters, Um, So really, it was like people's own personal shelters, Anderson shelters, and uh, the London Underground were the shelters for people for the most part. On March 1st or 2nd, I found a couple of conflicting dates. Um, But anyway, 251 RAF bombers attacked Berlin, killing 711 people. So there was a big offensive in Berlin by the RAF. And so that made tensions a little higher in Britain about the Luftwaffe because it was like, oh, shit, are they going to retaliate because we just killed a shit ton of their people? So obviously things were a little tense at that point. So on the night of Wednesday, March 3rd, 1943, blackout conditions obviously still in effect. They had been for years at this point. At 8.17 p.m. local time, air raid sirens went off, and the sounds of anti-aircraft defense rockets were heard about 10 minutes later. Obviously, it would be hard for a civilian to know the difference between a bomb sound and an anti-aircraft, or anti-aircraft rocket, like a defense sound. So, obviously, that made things a little tense, but at any rate... Um, By 8.27 p.m., people had already begun heading for shelters, including the underground stations and including the Bethnal Green tube station. Now, at that point, at that time, at the Bethnal Green tube station, three buses, more than usual, more than were scheduled, had stopped at the number eight bus stop right by the the tube station at Bethnal Green dumping a fair number of people, like, at that area. So there was just kind of more people in that vicinity than there usually would have been. Um, And the crowd started making their way underground, making their way to the tube station. Now, the Bethnal Green tube station had a stairwell opening of 15 feet by 11 feet, which is, like, four and a half meters by three and a third meters or so. And there were 19 steps leading down into the tube station and uh, everyone was making their way in a very orderly fashion down the stairwell. Like by all accounts at all points, like British people were really damn good at just being orderly. So everyone was just doing their thing, not being impatient, not panicking, just heading down in an orderly fashion. It was a rainy night, so the landing and the stairs had gotten kind of slick, um, and the stairwell itself was pretty dark. There was, like, a single 25-watt light bulb lighting the whole thing that had been partially painted black. (laughs) So this is, like, terribly dim lighting. I mean, it's still blackout conditions, so. Um, Now, around this time, so 827-ish, three steps from the bottom of the stairs. Uh, there's there's some slightly conflicting reports. One was that it was a middle-aged woman and a young child. Other reports are that it was a woman holding an infant. Okay. But at any rate, they tripped and, and fell on the stairs. Um, and that, so slipped and fell. Then an elderly man tripped on them and fell And within 15 seconds, this little kerfuffle of people falling literally turned into a disaster. Within that period of time, um, very similar to what happened in our previous disasters about stairwells, people at the top didn't know that shit was going on at the bottom. People were falling on each other, getting stuck, and... 
just got stuck in this stairwell. It's a phenomenon called vertical stacking, which when you're talking about human beings is just horrific. So basically everyone, some people were like falling or, or like falling over, but a lot of people were just standing, but they were just getting vertical. They were just getting compressed. Mm-hmm. So their lungs, their bodies, everything was just getting oh my God. crushed in. Um, and there was no real way out because the entrance and the exit were both blocked Jesus. by people. And everything's dark. Yeah. It's, oh my yeah. God. That's oh, what a fucking so, horrible way to go. Oh, out. it's awful. It, it, this is horrid. So. Um, Nearby air raid wardens and an off-duty police officer started to hear, like, people were like, okay, we're keeping calm and carrying on, but we're going to fucking start shouting now because this is an issue. So they were hearing, like, screaming and shouting from the tube entrance, tube station entrance, entrance, and they noticed that the line was not moving. So they're like, fuck, what's going on here? So they stopped people from going in. They were like, okay, get, get away, get away. Um, and then all they could do was start pulling people oh, out. Um, and in some cases it was live people, and in some cases it was bodies. Um, almost everyone died from compressive asphyxiation. Oh, Jesus. Um, it's, it's horrible. Um, a man named Alf Morris would, rec- would recall years later, he was a little kid at the time, um, but he would recall years later, he said, quote, An air raid warden called Mrs. Chumley, I'll never forget her name, grabbed me by my hair. I was hollering as it hurt, but she didn't let go and eventually pulled me free by grabbing me from under my arms. My aunt was trapped against a wall. I remember she was wearing a heavy coat and they grabbed hold of her shoulders and pulled her free and she left her coat and shoes behind. She was black and blue all over. Oh my God. Another couple of minutes and she might have been dead. Uh, For sure she would have been dead. Yeah. So people were literally being just pulled physically Jesus. out. Yeah. Um, it was estimated that up to 300 people had gotten stuck in that oh stairwell. God. And of those people, 173 people died. 27 men, 84 women, and 62 children. I was going to say, there's got to be kids in there somewhere. The youngest victim was a five-month-old infant. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, those who survived uh, were those who were closer to the entrance of the stairwell, sure. obviously. Because they got pulled out. Mm-hmm. And between 60 and 90 of those who were injured were taken to hospital. To hospital? Yeah, I love how in England they... I love how British people don't say the hospital or to hospital. college. It's hospital and university. university. It's adorable. They anyway. say university in Canada, too. Yeah, they do. And, and hospital, right? Or do they I not, think not so. so much that? No. Okay. Definitely university, though. University. It's very cute. Went to the university. Went to university. Um, the bodies of the victims were literally loaded up onto trucks oh, and God. lorries um, to be taken away. This was awful. This was just terrible. Ugh. All right. Shot. <laughs> the the crushing deaths are... They're terrible. They're just the fucking worst. horrible. We started our entire show... With um, with with a fire, it was a fire, but and it crushing into a crash, though, uh, crushing uh, happens. Crash disaster. Crowd disaster. Crowd yes, disaster. <laughs> but there were certainly people who died from being Asphyxiation, crushed. Asphyxiation, yeah. But just the idea that you can I, be I don't, standing. I don't. No, I don't. Nope. Don't even want to think about it. I know. It's horrific. It's horrific. And these were people who, in the first place, they were going underground to protect themselves. Yeah, to not, to not get blown up. It's horrible. And instead, they, at least blown up, it's probably pretty quick, I'm guessing. They were and getting in, and instead, all sorts of fucked over And instead anyway. they got asphyxiated, which oh, takes God. minutes, which I'm sure is just fucking Well, no, because you pass painful. out. Well, I hope. Yeah. I'm, that's not true for everybody, I'm sure. No. But, uh, uh, no. No thanks. Let's move on to the aftermath. Oh, um, do I have any pictures? Yes, you do. Okay, you, yes, you I already do. scolded me for looking at them. <laughs> well, I have to explain them to you. <laughs> so, the aftermath is kind of interesting because there were wartime reporting restrictions in place at sure. the time of the Bethnal Green tube disaster, and the news of the disaster was initially censored. 
So the idea of these wartime restrictions were that if there was some sort of civil disaster or, you know, cause of death or whatever, that to report on that could lower morale and could also be used as propaganda by the enemy. And you also don't want to create a panic. Right, right, over over other issues. This was literally a freak accident. Yes. The tubes are underground and those stations are there for a reason. But still, like, So the incident wasn't reported on at all for two days. Like, literally nothing made it to the papers for a couple days. Those who survived, as well as those who had witnessed the the whole thing, I mean, because we're talking a couple hundred people at least who had lived, plus all the family members of the people. people, Yeah. Yeah. Um, of the victims, they were all told to keep quiet. Sure. And they did. Yeah. Uh, journalists tried to bribe little kids who had witnessed it to tell them, like, um, Alf, Alf Morris, who was a little kid, he's like, they offered us five pounds, which was like a, a fortune for a little kid back then. Um, but they didn't, for the most part. It didn't make it out. The kids showed, like, a Good. surprising amount of restraint. Some bodies were identified by family members by the personal effects they had sure. on them. Because in some cases, their faces were not identifiable uh, yeah, because of the discoloration. Anyway, an investigation did take place, um, but its findings were not released to the public initially. Yeah. Again, the whole morale thing. A reporter named Eric Linden of the Daily Mail had seen the whole thing. He wrote up an entire report on it, but it was not run because of the censorship, because of, of the time, the, the, because of wartime. So instead, the paper and other papers ran a version of events that said the disaster was a bombing. Well, that yeah, those people had of died course. of a bombing. Because so. that'd be, that's so easy to explain away at this time. Yeah, exactly, yeah. People would be like, yeah, they died in a bombing. Mm-hmm. No shit. So the deadly staircase was scrubbed clean after the disaster, painted white on the ends for better visibility. You can see it there. Oh, is that? And center railings Mm. were added for safety. Uh, And then they also improved the shelter itself at Bethnal Green. They added toilets, basins, and more beds. Basins. Basins. All right. So the exact details of what had happened that night in the Bethnal Green tube station were not released until to the public until after the war ended. It was revealed that the mayor and the town council of Bethnal Green had repeatedly requested better access to the underground station, but those requests had been repeatedly turned down. Specifically, they had asked for these railings. Oh, for something to hang for on safety. to as you're going down a flight of stairs into darkness. Yeah. You might want something to hang on uh-huh. to. So that had been included in their request. How that could even be possible not to have that in in the first place is beyond this is me. In the thir- but this, it was exactly. built in the 30s. So um, It was like, yeah, people die. So in 1941, they had asked for all this shit. London Civil Defense had denied their multiple requests, saying that it would all be a waste of money. (laughs) Instead of a waste of 173 people's lives. Well, let's face it, money was tight, but... Guess what? Like... If you win the war, a population has to reclaim. Right, and rebuild. and So the more civilians. You have to save your people. The That's more the civilians whole point. that live, the better. That is the mm-hmm. whole fucking point. Yes, yeah, to save yes. your people. Yeah. Protect your people. That's the point of the military. <laughs> it's the point of the government, is to protect your people, yeah. That sounds very socialist. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm a communist. All right. You communist, socialist, Maoist. <laughs> Fascist, Marxist, whatever. Fascist. Fascist. (laughs) Stalinist. The Minister of Home Security, Herbert Morrison, claimed that there had been a panic caused by the sound of the the anti-aircraft rockets the night of the disaster, and that's what caused the stampede. But literally everyone else was like, no, that's not what happened. Somebody fell and it became a security issue like because we've of the been stairs. through the whole air raid thing hundreds of times it, before. Yes, we're used to it. Yes, basically yes. 
1945, the widow of one of the victims sued the Bethnal Green Corporation. Now, I can't tell if that's like the town or I couldn't quite clarify who Bethnal Green Corporation was, but at any rate. Um, And she won. It was found that plenty of warning of the danger of the stairwell had been given and should have been addressed prior to this disaster. So other lawsuits followed and the total payout to all victims and or survivors of the Bethnal Green Tube disaster totaled 60,000 pounds, which granted it was a long time ago, but it still does not sound like close enough sound to me like a whole lot. for the fact that they ignored repeated requests from the local government to make that stairwell safer. So, and those suits um, were getting resolved between like just post the war and through the early 50s. So it took like about 10 years for all that to get. So during the Blitz on London, an estimated 32,000 British civilians were killed. So that was the total death toll of the estimated death toll of the the Blitz. And an additional 87,000 were injured. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Though many civilians were killed in single bombing raids, so meaning multiple bombs on at a single event, like on a single night, the greatest single loss of life from one bomb, like literally just a single bomb, was 107 people who died in a lemonade factory in 1941. So that means that the Bethnal Green tube disaster was the single largest loss of civilian life in the entire United Kingdom during the entire course of World War II and is still the largest loss of life in a single incident in the London Underground. No shit. So the biggest single bomb, again, we're not talking like, because there were multiple bombs on a given night or whatever, but just the one single event. This one This was worse than a single bomb, yeah. I did all of that. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. In 1993, to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the disaster, a plaque was put up in the entrance of the Bethnal Green Station, and it said, quote, Site of the worst civilian disaster of the Second World War, in memory of 173 men, women, and children who lost their lives on the evening of Wednesday, 3rd March, 1943, descending these steps to Bethnal Green Underground Air Raid Shelter. Never forgotten. End quote. In 2000, a woman named Sandra Scotting, whose mother Ivy Brind was a survivor of the Bethnal Green disaster, began campaigning for a bigger memorial, and they eventually raised over 660,000 pounds and commissioned architect Harry Patikas, who created a sculpture called, and now you can see this picture, Stairway to Heaven. Oh, and there's the Zeppelin okay. uh, yeah. reference. Uh, So it's an inverted staircase. It's upside down of 18 steps. And then you can't see it in this picture, but there's like sort of a marble path leading to it that has plaques with the the victims' names on it. That's pretty cool looking. Mm -hmm. This was unveiled December 2017. This memorial's a year old. Oh, so just no shit. Yeah. Wow. And that, my friends, is the story. Of the Bethnal Green Tube disaster. Freaking awful. Just crushed to death is just, that's. It's horrific. That's fucking miserable. That's gotta be one of the worst. We, we, we say that about so many I know. things, but yes, yeah. I know. Fire, like, uh, uh. You know, I just hope, like, again, to be super morbid, I just hope that, like, they passed out. Just. We're like, wait, what's, what's going on? Uh, and I then hope. just pass out. But you know that didn't happen for everybody. No. So, uh. Merry Christmas. <laughs> this is not and our a, Christmas episode. And a happy new year. <laughs> um, th- so this episode is coming out on the 17th. We will, because we have been super loyal about having an episode come out every single fucking Monday, there will be an episode on Christmas Eve with a special Christmas present for everyone, written by yours truly. Yes. I've, I've told you about you, it. You, go ahead and tease it. How should I tease it? It is a poem, a Christmas poem. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
It's a it's Funny. a it's a reenacting of an old poem, possibly somewhat. Maybe I don't know. we'll find out. I don't exactly I don't exactly know how to put it either. <laughs> but then we're also gonna have. Um, we'll, we'll have a miracle soda on yes. Christmas, yes, and we then will. we're gonna have a lighter. We're gonna episode. have a lighthearted one on New Year's on Eve. New Year's Eve, which I'm going to do. Which mm-hmm. reverse bad thing. It'll be. It'll be very fun and lighthearted. Because I don't know what this and is. Very stupid, but it <laughs> does qualify. It does. Okay. As an all bad okay. Thing. Very good. It does for sure. Very good. So, um, in other all bad things, um, let's all take a moment. On the nineteenth, I turned thirty-four. I'm so old now. Most of our loyal listeners are younger than I am, you realize. They're definitely younger than I am. <laughs> as they've been letting me know. <laughs> they've been sending you, like, lifeline things or whatever. The, I fall it in, yeah, I can't get up. That's for people who live in homes. I do not live in a home. I live in my home. In all fairness, Emily said that that was for me. <laughs> I did not take it that way, Emily. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's, it's, if you don't have a Christmas time birthday, it's about as sucky as you would think it is. Because <laughs> no one gives a flying fuck and everybody is busy doing other shit. I've already forgotten. Thanks. I'm kidding. <laughs> it, has, it hasn't happened yet. I was taking care of that today. Oh, very yes. nice. Yes. Well, you do realize that my birthday begins the four weeks of every year that you're only seven years older than I am. Um, what? <laughs> I didn't follow. And of hopefully, course... Hopefully the audience didn't need that. It was kind of confusing. <laughs> of course, we're laughing and joking because this was a really awful disaster. Yes. yes but was. thank you, Marianne. And I don't mean that, I like, ironically or sarcastically. That was a... You mean thank you in the worst way possible. <laughs> uh, but that I thought that was really interesting. I mean, terrible, but and just... C- Civilian, Just the period was so interesting and awful. Civilian tragedies in wartime are rampant, but they're never reported mm. on generally because, because there the are, war is going on. Right. It's so horrid, it's kind yeah. of it's kind of expected. It's like not yeah. necessarily specifically something like this, no. but civilian deaths are expected in a war. Mm. They just are. Yeah. So. It's just I it's just like, what, what I found really sad was, by all accounts, as a whole, the impression I got anyway was that the German people were really, like, took it all really well. Like, were orderly and, like... You mean, you mean the British people? What did I say? You said the German people. <laughs> they probably did. Fuck it. Never they, mind. They probably did, too. Didn't mean that. Sorry. I'm pretty sure all of the Europeans Sorry. took it well. I'm specifically speaking to the British people. I apologize. Thank you for catching that. The British people um, were, like, I just keep thinking, if America was in that situation, we would be fucking useless. I, we see, I are don't, I don't, such... I, I do not think so. Really? Yes. I don't really? think so. Yes. We're dipshits. No, we're not. Not when something like that occurs. When be, have we? Well, okay, oh, 9-11, seen, but that's... No, 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 not that. The 1989 San Francisco earthquake there is very well documented of the whole civilian population. Now that isolated together, areas, but do you think... Well, and, and again, that was, that was like 30 years ago. Right. You don't think we've gotten dumber since then? No, it has nothing to do with that. To me, what it has to do with is... Um, tribalism in the best possible mm. way of trying to preserve ourselves. I think that's what I, I think. I would yes. be. I would hope so. I think. I think so. And I do not think that that changes with the generations. We're generation. so fractured right now, though. I, the, I trust me. If something terrible like a war happened on our people, would come together. They would. I. I, I have no. I, I have right. no doubt in that. Okay. How they would come together. The result of it. Now that's a different story. The people would come together. Mm. You have more faith in humanity than I do, I think. Well, it's it's just, it's a natural instinct for humans. I, I mean, it really is. I think I'm a nihilist a little bit. <laughs> I think so. Maybe. I'm usually, I'm, I'm usually the one that's... I know, you're the emo one. <laughs> Why am I so fucking, like, down on humanity? 
Uh, maybe, I don't know. Never mind. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> I'm a little down on America. Yay for Canada. Yay for Britain right now. Except for Brexit. I know that's causing some consternation in the UK at the moment. Um, even though I don't understand it. I did attempt to explain it, but I don't think I did a very good job. It's it's complicated. <laughs> basically, it's complicated. Basically, my understanding of it is it was the working classes fuck you to the British government. That's how I understand it. I thought it was the British government's fuck you to the EU. No, because they wanted to stay in. It was the people that voted it out against their own best interest. But well, anyway, okay. let's not get it exactly. That's a whole thing for itself. That's that's a <gasps> that's an all bad thing for. Hopefully, probably never, because we won't be able to explain it. <laughs> That's right. So, Mary Crimble, we will be back next week. With an, do you know what that's a reference of? I don't. So, Mary you, Crimble. Yeah, if you want something fun, Christmassy, and fun to look up, look up the Beatles' old um, Christmas albums. So early on in the Beatles, speaking of British, post World War Two. Um, born, yeah, people, um, they did early on in their career, they did a couple of Christmas albums, like for their fan club or whatever. They're the most silly, goofy, bizarre little records where they just like, are like, oh, I'd like to thank all of our, our fans for buying our records. And I'd like to thank all of our wonderful listeners out in Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible British accent. It was awful. Mine was better. But <laughs> <laughs> but they they just they they're basically like Monty Python like very absurd, very British. And at one point so, one so of them says so Mary Crimble. So they're hilarious. <laughs> you have no sense of humor sometimes. At least we can bond over Shit's Creek. We both find that funny. Yes, we can, eh? So we agree mm. on Canadians are funny. Yes, of course. Okay, yeah. well, there we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm we part, found a I'm, people we think I'm are I'm part funny. Canadian, you know. Of course <laughs> I'm going to say they're... Of course I'm going to say they're funny and they don't apologize. Of course I'm going to say we're funny. So before this gets even further yes. off the rails... That was the Bethnal Green tube disaster. And that was horrific. And let's make it another 75 episodes before we do a crushing. Although I know... You're rough. I know, I know we're not going to do that many <laughs> before not. we get to the next one. I know we're not. Oh, that's right. You do. So that's a little tease. Uh-huh, for 2019. Mm-hmm. Just think big anniversaries and many disasters happened in April. Yes, they did. April's a bad month. Oh, it is. incidentally, guess who was born on April 20th? Hitler. Oh, okay. April's a bad month. And Apologies he, and to anyone was, born in April. And he was also born in Austria. Yeah, that's right. Yes, he was. He was not German. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week and... Know your exits. I got it right that time. <laughs> <laughs>